So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Jean Victoria Norlock and Rick O'Shields, bringing your inner life to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I am, yet again, Rico Shields, and far to my north, but not as far as, well, up there in the mountains of Quebec, Jean Victoria Norlock. How are you, Jean? I am, well, winter came back, so I'm confused. Ah, yeah. (laughs) You, You guys were having the early thaw up there. Trees were starting to bud out and things. Yeah, we had um, chickens going into their crazy spring rush of like laying an insane amount of eggs. Uh, trees were starting to bud on our property. It, it, it was just all that weirdness over here for about two weeks. And now we're like back to being complete. We had grass last week. We, really? The grass was starting to sprout? Yeah. Wow. There was green stuff in my backyard. Um, <laughs> it's all covered in new white stuff. Ah, so, so um, I don't know. Back winter's to... back, and, and we'll see how that goes, because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well. Global weirding is really messing with my head. I just. Yeah, but it's because the last show we taped uh, with Molly, it was like eight degrees or something, wasn't it? Seven or eight degrees that day? I think the Celsius highest we folks. went up to was, yeah, Celsius for, for those in the U.S., but I think the highest we went up was, I think it was 13 one day. Goodness gracious, that's... I was out turn around. That's, that's tropical for the mountains of Quebec in January. Isn't it? Well, yeah, it was, it was really weird. Um, you know, but hey... It, Mother Nature has to do her thing, and I I know that you know it's cyclical, and regardless of any interference or contribution on our part, what's going to happen is going to happen. Uh, she's much more powerful than we are, so I'm, I'm super not concerned. And I know that the animals and the plants will bounce back. It's just I think it's more for, overall. I think it's more difficult for us humans to adjust to it, really. Um, and, and that's kind of what I, I hear from people when I'm talking to them about it. They're, you know, people are getting sick and they don't, they can't keep up with the different, the different temperatures and the, and we're used to changes in temperature, but not this extreme and, and not and, for these strange periods of time. So. Yeah. Cause I mean, uh, we'll when I was happens. in Houston, winter would come for a week and then go away and you'd be back into short sleeves and then winter would come for another week. And so we were kind of, as used to that as you can get, I guess. 
the unpredictability, but it usually gets to be winter and stays winter up there where you are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we do get our Indian summers, um, but not as extreme as the past couple of years. I mean, even last year was kind of weird. I I remember we were doing a show last year and and we had um, mosquitoes in in February, which is craziness. But um, I I don't know. You know, like I said, it's cyclical. So we just have to ride it out and and let mama do what she's going to do. Yeah. Plants and the animals are going to be fine. They always are. They always adjust. Um, yeah, the Canada but, geese know, down here in Phoenix have been flying in circles. So they're not sure. Are confused. You yeah, said they, they keep going north and then they turn around and come back. I, I, I go out to take Molly for a walk and and um, um, sure enough, they um, headed one way. Go back out the next day, they're headed the other way. So you know, it's just confusing. But that's okay. That's like today. I went to the Post office. Actually, went to the post office to mail something to you. New cell phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's MLK. I'll finally, day. be able to finally so. be able to actually keep up with with Facebook and stuff on my phone. It's, it's so weird living out here with a phone that doesn't work. Um, and I, you know, I wish yeah. that I had a brand new phone to send her because uh, I don't know if we've even mentioned it to the listeners. She, the reason she doesn't have her iPhone because it's 2012 Christmas. Everybody got iPhones, right? Or January, somewhere around there, February. No, it was um, it was a combination birthday Christmas present when we first moved into the new house. Yeah. We all needed a way to communicate out here in the mountains. If my daughter was at school and I was at work, and you know, so so we and we needed Quebec numbers. I mean, we've been living in Quebec for two years with Quebec numbers. With Toronto numbers, yeah. And and yeah. And anyway, so your daughter did she lose the the iPhone or did she break it? Or did uh, it break? She, had, she initially broke it climbing hills, rocks. How can you ah. get mad at a kid for that? Right? So, yeah. We're trying to get him to go outside. But it lasted. It lasted for months after that because she babied it. And then it got dropped again, and that was that. So I gave her mine because yeah. that's what you do when you're mom. <laughs> yeah. So um, I got a new phone when I moved here to Phoenix. I've had the, that Houston number for 15 years now, I think. Um, and long, which is a long time for me. I used to change a lot. I bounce around a little, but um, I figured I'd get a Phoenix number because I've landed over here, so that we can have the Phoenix and Phoenix Nest shows like this. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I do want to give a, a quick shout out about the fact that it is Martin Luther King Day. Uh, actually, read an article earlier today on why somebody. A speechwriter said that it was the perfect speech. And, you know, he was noting all things like, you know, the Lincoln Memorial is a great backdrop. And I'm thinking, this is supposed to be tips on speech writing. You, you can't just round up a gazillion people in front of the Lincoln Memorial anytime you like. You know? <laughs> I agree. It's a wonderful backdrop. So much better than a PowerPoint. But uh, what else was there? There was something in current events today. Oh, the, Prime uh, Minister. No. President. President of the United States yeah. has yeah. mouthed out in an interview that marijuana is no more harmful than alcohol. Yeah. 
And that ensuing silence, ladies and gentlemen, is because the president of the United States. I mean, I mean, you can take that two ways. First of all, alcohol um, is not the healthiest thing in the world. No. I sit here drinking my watered down red wine. Yes, still watered down. It will always be watered down um, until they make a non-alcoholic red wine that actually tastes like red wine. And then I'll drink it all the time. Um, But as long as it's good for you. Um, But alcohol and the abuse of alcohol has been a problem in the United States, Canada, and multiple other countries for for longer than we can count, yet it's legal, which is insane. And then we have this amazing green plant that has all these healing properties to it, and it's been banned, and I don't get it. So, you know, I mean, it's... It, it opens the conversation at least a little further, I hope, and, um, well, you know, takes yeah, away for some common sense to come into play. <laughs> my, my hope they is. can't even do any research on the stuff because they can't have it to do the research on it. And it's like, what? And um, th- that's just silly to me, you know? I mean, if you're going to make something illegal so that scientists can't even do research on it, uh, uranium maybe? Plutonium? Anthrax, all that, let's throw all that stuff out. And uh, because that doctor in California that's been doing the research that's discovered that it's mostly the cannabidiols, which are not psychoactive. And so if you just take the fresh plant, it's got to be live. Um, if you age it, it, the CBDs turn into THCs. But indigenous cultures where cannabis grew naturally knew that it was a plant of dual character. That's why it was a sacred plant, because it, it could do two things depending on when you ingested it and and i think that the fact that a lot of people could be getting pain relief and other relief and and without even having to smoke it which you know is probably just as bad as smoking cigarettes it, it's you know the results of a fire going down your throat that's usually not good um <laughs> no not good at all really but i mean yeah. we all have our, our thing right yeah we all um, have our thing but and yeah, i mean i smoke cigarettes too so i can't really talk but um uh i i think it's a, a great milestone that he's saying that the the uh, you know experiment in the two states should go on and, and look they're going to the super bowl they'll really be able to celebrate oh um <laughs> no i actually i don't think there's any stores open in washington until later uh, this year, but I know Colorado was, what was it? It's like two weeks. They were posting, they were running out of stuff, running out of stock at stores. Pretty yeah, amazing. Well, you know, they can always come to Canada. We apparently have plenty. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Just <laughs> <laughs> saying. Lots of bush up here. For growing. Yeah, that's true. So, Lots of places that ha- nobody having, in their right mind would go. <clears throat> But yeah, that Having was Having brought the, healing... the subject into a, a totally crazy vein, should we pull it back and maybe, you know, introduce well, I, a guest? I had a I had a transition. <laughs> Believe it or not, I can oh, find a transition even it. from there that really okay. the indigenous people knew, the Indians, the native Americans were aware uh that it was a medicinal plant when it was fresh, green, juicy and they also knew that it had shamanic properties if you aged it and smoked it, heated it. Absolutely. You don't even have to smoke it. You yeah. can heat it in a brownies, whatever. It changes the character. And and shamanic is because we have a shaman with us this evening. 
which is awesome. We've we've had absolutely just another gone. shamanic Monday. Just another shamanic Monday. Um, you know, I go on. We have. Uh, uh, author and uh, with a wonderful book that we're going to talk about and uh, and shaman Elizabeth Herrera with us tonight. Welcome Elizabeth. How you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Just wonderful. A little good. silly around the edges, but uh, people mm-hmm. must have been to Colorado lately. Yeah, no, but that's <laughs> why they that's why they won't let me drink anymore. It's like, look, you're, you're goofy enough. You don't need no help over there. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm writing a third book, and I I have quite a few of the um, what do you call, people. I guess they're determined to be hallucinogenics, but um, I've decided that they're not hallucinogenics. That they allow you to see the real world, so therefore they're not hallucinations. But and uh, this, is, this is the thing. I mean, we we've really culturally we have really lost our ability to connect with these amazing spiritual gifts that Mother Nature mm-hmm. provides us with. Plant medicine yeah. is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And our ancestors knew the truth of this. Our ancestors knew the truth of this. And they're used in ritual. And we we never, you know, we never talk about it on the show without reminding people that this is a, it, it, it's a deeply spiritual experience and they should be used in that context. They should right. be used ritually. There should be cleansing and preparation done before time, and there should be guidance. It's not something that you should play with. But in that context, it can be very beneficial to healing. I know um, Dr. David Suzuki here in Canada did an amazing documentary on the healing properties of some of these hallucinogenics when used to help to heal addicts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, And, of course, we've had Angela Mandato on couple of times that uh, she's a plant medicine lady and uh, uh, used to run tours down in Peru on a regular basis. Uh, I really think that's a lot of the reason why they're illegal is because of the the use that the uh, American Indians had with them as far as connecting to the spirit. I think um, a lot of it has to do with the government suppressing that power suppressing that connection because it's really not been a logical um, decision by any means. Um, it seems, I mean, that's my opinion, but I think the pharmaceuticals come into that as well, but well, that's another story. Yeah, but it is, yeah, you, you we'll know. Do that. We'll, we'll have you back and we'll do another show. Yeah, we'll do that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But it, it, it <laughs> It is a uh, you know huge bodies of knowledge about uh, particularly plants and their properties that just gone by the wayside, and uh, uh, well, it's fantastic we'll that back. we're rediscovering them now. And uh, maybe it's time. I mean, the way the world's going, so. we need some kind of connection, and we need it fast. So Absolutely. yeah. So Jane. So Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah. Before we go any further, I have to ask you the big questions that people know okay. who you're talking to. Who on earth are you and what do you do? Who am I and what do I do? Yes. Um, who on earth are you? There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, there is, isn't there? I, um, you know, I've been so many things. I feel like I've lived 10 lifetimes already. 
I am a full-time graphic designer. I have been a graphic designer since I was, I don't know, 17. It's been forever. I um, am also a, an author. I've been a healer for about 10 years, and that was uh, rather unexpected. A quick, very quick overview. I was raised in a Christian home, lost my faith in my 20s, became an atheist for the next good, I don't know, 10, 12 years. And then I uh, stumbled on shamanic journeying. And I say stumbled um, because I went to a class and I honestly thought it was going to be a history lesson. Had no idea I was going to be learning how to actually do it, um, which is a good example of the spirit. Um, uh, Always being at work, let's put it that way. Um, So I learned a shamanic journey. I thought it would be no big deal, you know, go on my life. But it was like I opened a portal and um, I just kept hearing the call and I could not resist it. I mean, I would actively just like feel this pull and I would try and try and finally I'd give in and I would go and journey again. And that happened for years or a couple years until... um, I had a friend that wasn't doing well, and I thought I'd ask for healing because I had heard you could ask for these things. And so I did and was shocked that it worked and then was shocked that it kept working like every single time. They would tell me, you know, what's going to happen and and what the outcome would be, and, and, and that's what it would be. And that just blew my mind because, um, honestly, I, I didn't really think it was real. I thought... Um, I don't know. I kind of thought it was like meditation or some kind of um, visualization. I, but I didn't expect what I was seeing in the spirit realm to manifest into the physical realm. And once I believed that, it really took off from there. As far as not just healings, but seeing miracles, you know, every day in my life and um, changing my path because um, after doing that for years I had to finally admit there was a higher power and as soon as I even asked that question the spirit responded I mean tremendously I felt pressure on my head and and it was a beautiful story my mother has helped me so much on this path that it's been an amazing journey, but she was the one that really brought up the question, you know, um, healings, where does the power come from? And I, I'm, I've always been a bit of a smart ass. And so I just said, um, you know, hey, if God's God, then he can surely show himself, right? And immediately I felt a pressure on my head so heavy that I couldn't lift my head. And then, uh, and then I went to journey just to see what was happening, and and that's when I seen um, Jesus for the first time, and I and um, I have to tell you it was very overwhelming because raised in a Christian home, um, Jesus had been a very personal um, friend, like my childhood friend, and um, and truthfully I missed him, but I didn't believe in God, and so I kind of threw the whole thing out, kind of you know the baby with the bathwater. I lost my faith in religion, and um, so it was really, really um, a beautiful moment for me to 
to have them come back and say, look, you're doing healings, we can do these together, and to have them take on the role as a spirit guide for me and to move forward from that moment on um, together. So, um, and then about six months later, I actually did see the face of God um, in the clouds, and that was simply... Um, a wonderful moment and I thought maybe I was seeing things until it happened again immediately after that a second time and then I knew that um, he had answered my question if God is God he can surely show himself and um, and he did so um, he does that mm-hmm. he, does. he does it all the time he does do that Absolutely. We keep telling people, all you have to do is ask. Just ask. Well, and, you know, you just that thing of, you know, well, what are you waiting for? A gigantic sign in the sky? Okay, here you go. (laughs) We got those. Yeah, some of us are a little denser than others. I need big signs, you know, because I just, I resist, I guess. I I need the big ones. So I always admire when people can take a small sign and... And that's all the proof they need. So anyways, um, so I wrote this, uh, I wrote the memoir, Shaman Stone Soup, uh, was my first book. And um, I wrote that initially because I knew people were afraid of shamanism. I guess it was the ism part that kind of scared them. So I wanted people to know that um, it's not all black magic, that it depends on the person, like anything. Um, You can work with only divine spirits, and you can do healing and and receive guidance and and learn about yourself and learn that you're a divine being. So I wanted to write and let people know um, the good aspects of um, shamanism. And it turned into a book more about miracles um, along the way. But that kind of evolved. Uh, My mother passed away in the middle of the book, um, actually right when I finished the first draft. And um, I actually had sent it to her the night before um, she was killed. She was um, struck by a car. So it was a... a huge tragedy for me at the time. I mean, it took me probably a good year to recover from that, uh, at least to the point where I wasn't crying every day. And, I can uh, only imagine. I lost my mom about three years ago. And yes, lost, me too. I was a bit, too. bit worthless. Well, that's interesting that you lost your mom about three years ago and you just lost your dad. Mine's mm-hmm. sort of hovering. I say teetering on the edge because... it's apparent to me whenever he, the body becomes really painful, he just hightails it out Mm -hmm. and and then comes back. Or as my sisters say, he, his mind goes. That's what they say. His mind goes and then it clears up. But to me, it's real obvious to see him just bail out. Does he have cancer? Uh, No, he's, I think he's just got old. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Doctors almost never put that on like death certificates anymore that you died of natural causes because they, you know, have all their super duper machines that can give them a specific reason. But he's had difficulties with his heart. Uh, 
they actually did open heart surgery on him on 12-12-12. Oh. Apparently that was a very heart opening day for people. It was for my dad. And, um, and he's never really been right since then. Um, just too much. Huh? And well, he went into congestive heart failure twice, and I didn't think he was going to get out of the ho- he didn't get out of the hospital until almost March. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think he was going to make it there for a while. And then we had an episode while I was in Costa Rica, and then we had this most recent one for about two weeks, where he was just really. And I saw him recently on my way here to Phoenix from Texas, and and uh, he was not he was not okay, and. Uh, but they've they've done something else now, and they're resynchronizing his heart. His heart hmm. got out of sync, and so they're resynchronizing it, and we'll see what that does. Well, hopefully, hopefully he feels better. I hope so, because he was he was not happy about being here when I saw him. He was specific about the fact that he wanted to go, and uh, hmm. so it's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Well, you you say you um, you know you you were raised in a in a Christian home, and then you lost your faith. Did you what? And you were an atheist for a while. Did you go the science route? Did you just go the? We don't Mm-mm. even talk about that. You, I just went cold turkey. I don't know. I just <laughs> I just said, oh, religion's not real. God's not real. And uh, I had read a book. Actually, it's amazing. Um, the power of books. I read a book that totally changed my mind about religion, and it was called The Great Cosmic Mother. Excellent book. It, it starts from the beginning of time, known religions, and goes all the way to the present on on religion, and it really backs it up. I don't know if it was someone's thesis or what it was, but it's really well done. And I kind of saw the fallacies of religion. And like most people, um, I think they have we all have a really hard time separating God from religion. We think like religion's real, you know, instead of God being real. And um, I think that's one of the drawbacks to my book is that it features Jesus. And I'm having a hard time getting some of the spiritual magazines to review it because they think it's Christian. And then probably Christian people read it and they're probably offended so um that can be a that can be a touchy subject it's I'm not really yeah. you know and and yeah. but it but it was interesting the way you said you know it, it that you think religion is real and then um you, I think that's what happens is people know people can feel that religion isn't the truth I mean I was 5 or 6 and I was catching them in stuff like how can it say that yeah. and mm-hmm. But we make that, we put those equal signs in there, and so we decide, well, if religion's not real, then God's not real. To help with it. Yeah. And that's what I did. And it really did leave a hole. And I was avid about reading everything. Okay, Buddhism, um, anything I could get on religion. And that's one of the reasons I went to that shamanism um, class. I thought it was going to be some kind of Mexican um, religion I had never heard of. That's how oblivious I was. You know, I didn't connect shamanism to Native American spirituality because it has a different name. 
So I went to that. Um, I even read like the Satanic Bible. I mean, I was reading everything and then I wasn't finding anything that resonated with me at all. It just seemed like everything was a variation of a, the same thing. And so I was kind of surprised when I stumbled on um, this Native American spirituality. And you have to understand at the time, and this is partly because it went through the male lineage, I did not know that I was an eighth Apache until I was in my 30s. And of course, this also has to do with, um, uh, I think a lot of times the suppression of it, um, the hiding of it within families. And um, I always thought my grandfather looked Native American, but I assumed he was Hispanic. Um, he spoke Spanish, you know, my grandmother was Spanish. Um, so it really wasn't until I asked him point blank are you Native American, that he said yes, but he turned away. I could tell he did not want to talk about it. So I ended up having to ask my father to get the information, which I did. It's not unusual. Um, It's crazy the synchronicities between my journey, your journey, and Rick's journey, because my mother was a descendant, and it was, told to me after her and my dad had passed and after everybody in the family is gone. Um, they've all gone to the other side. Um, but it was explained to me after that, that my grandmother, my mother was the youngest of the three daughters and my grandmother had made an indiscriminate boo-boo at some point along her journey and grandpa married her anyways and raised this child. And um, so there's absolutely no way to find the heritage, mm-hmm. but it's fascinating to hear a similar story. And I'm so happy for you that you were able to talk to your dad and actually ask him. Yeah, well, it's sure yeah. been difficult, though. It must have been difficult. Very. My difficult. dad was raised by his grandfather, so um, who was full-blooded Apache. So culturally, so it was there. You know, as I learned about Native American and like. Um, like the way I was raised, I realized um, that a lot of that came through. For instance, I was a terrible teenager. I mean, I I just pray my kids don't even become a fraction of what I was, okay? Rebellious beyond belief. Um, so anyways, my dad, um, I stole the car one day, middle of the day, middle of the summer, I was bored, stole the car. And, of course, I'm driving through town, and who do I see on the other side of the stop sign but, of course, my father, because that's Murphy's Law. But I'm still thinking if I duck down, he won't notice that I'm in his car, you know, on the other side of the street of him, right? So I race home, praying to God he didn't see me. Well, he's like five minutes behind me, and he calls me up, and he just, you know, he's like, Liz, I know what you did. And I don't want you doing it no more. And that was it. And I never took the car again. (laughs) But that was, you know, I know what you did. Don't do it no more. And I'd heard my grandfather do the same thing to me, you know, over the years. I thought, okay, that's just the way they deal with it. It's not really punishment. It's just more like bring it to the surface. Let's all acknowledge it. 
and then let's move on. And it's a little different, I think, than um, most families punish. And even the way I do um, as a mother now, um, sometimes, sometimes. But it it has it has quite the effect on you as a teenager. I I was I was a hellion. <laughs> I was so bad. Oh my goodness. Um, my dad never laughed so hard as the day I told him I was having having a girl because you know his his only come back to that was paybacks of a bitch isn't it baby <laughs> yeah that it is but my dad was the same way you know um he just it, it was always so calm cool and collected you're busted baby and now you know it's not the right way to go about it it's not the right way to live your life and you're going to have to make your choices but there's easier ways to get what you want was kind of always his, his way of looking at it. Um, and it was always, he was always so honest and just so blunt and smooth about it. The man just didn't raise his voice. And I learned more from him through that than, than any of the authority figures in my life who, who would scream and punish and yell. You know, it was that, that silent acknowledgement of, of mm-hmm. my actions and, and almost this non-judgment. Like, yeah, you're a teenager. You're going to do stupid things. Um, when you need help, I'll be here. And, and that's, that's how I was raised by him. And it was so healing for me because at some point you grow up enough to know that this is the greatest guidance you could ever get. And how can you, how can you disappoint that person? You know what I mean? Like it's, to mm-hmm. me, that's the greatest gift he ever gave was was to give me the freedom to figure that out on my own. Yeah. 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 Punishment uh, kind of breeds resentment. Yeah, it's not the sort of thing. I had a grandfather who I found out as I got older was not really my grandfather. Uh, he was my step-grandfather uh, that was a... Uh, full-blooded Creek Indian, Muscogee Nation up in Oklahoma, and and then found out even after that that, you know, when I thought, okay, well, I don't have any Indian blood, and then, oh, well, you, yes, you do, it's, you know, but just not from him. <laughs> and um, But he was always that way. He He just didn't get – he might get excited about a football game, but it was hard to notice. And uh, he he didn't get excited when bad things happened. He just, you know, okay. Yeah, that was kind of silly. Well, let's not do some more of that. And uh, and my father was a bit like that, but then my redheaded mother was not like that at all. <clears throat> Screaming and yelling and bash your head. Yeah, I say bash your head. She only did that once. Uh, mm. But uh, but many times drove down the road at you know, like 80 miles an hour on a residential street because she was mad. And yelling at me, it was just quite the dichotomy. And uh, yeah, that's a little scary. But it, it, but I always, oddly enough, it was always I always considered it worse if I had to talk to Dad because Dad was always just calm and, you know, very matter of fact. You know. Well, you can this, divert a lot of you things. You've been thinking when you're angry, can't you? You can avoid the real subject. Yeah, you can just scream. And, mm-hmm. And you know why not? But when the when 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 they just lay the truth right in front of you, what are you going to do? 
What are you going to say? Well, I think we scream to separate ourselves, you know, so that we can do what we think we have to do, which is to punish someone. So when they stay calm, you stay connected, and um, it's just a lot more intimate. Very much so, and it doesn't it doesn't leave room for maneuvering. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I wrote my book, Dreams of Dying, after um, I had a vivid dream, and I don't have them often. Maybe a few times a year, where I wake up and I'm like, okay, that was real, and this was one of those dreams, and um, in it, Jesus appeared and he showed me four different scenes and when I woke up I knew I would write the book I thought it'd be at some point in the future I didn't expect it to be within the next month um, so it was interesting because I had never written fiction I've only wrote the one book the memoir and um, and so it became an exercise in faith because I had no outline I had no idea how you write a fiction book and I would just sit pray and then I would write whatever came to me and it was um, surprisingly scary sometimes because I felt like I guess worried that I might not be listening correctly or you know and I would write things and I didn't understand how they were connect to anything else and I was like oh my gosh am I wasting my whole weekend and you know all these random thoughts and so I was really kind of surprised when um, this book which has these two different realities which I was really nervous about being able to write basically two different stories and intertwine them and how do they come together and it seemed like something a much more sophisticated writer would try to tackle Um, so I was really happy that they came together and um, the ending wrote itself, literally, you know, until I wrote it, and all of a sudden I read it, and I'm like, I just wrote the ending. It was really quite um, a, a interesting journey. It was it was fun for me because it was like ah, when I sat down, I didn't know any more than the reader did what what was going to come out. So it was it was an interesting exercise, you might say. And then I submitted it to the John Hunt Publishing and. Uh, and they were the first publisher that got back with me, and they said yes. So I was like, well, this thing's just like blessed, you know. You just don't hear about people, um, you know, the first publisher saying yes. Right. Uh, and they, of course, they they put it on their, you know, top level, so they are um, footing the bill, you might say. Um, so I appreciate That's that. Awesome. Yeah. We know we know a little bit about that around here. Uh, Jean has been round and round with her books, and her, she wrote her Indeed. second book much that way that you wrote your second book. Did you? So oh, in fact, geez. she would she would read what she wrote and go run off to a friend and say, "I can't say this." <laughs> I did. I did. I, well, I was raised Christian, and. Um, and the information I was getting was so in conflict with what I was taught that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it was this huge dilemma within me. Like, how do I, how do mm-hmm. I express that? But during the writing of the book, I guess I, I guess I grew up to the point where, where I just said, you know, it is what it is. I am who I am, and I, 
I'm too old now. Soul wise, I don't think age wise, but to to play the game of hiding that and and to try and to please everybody because mm-hmm. it's just not it's not going to happen. So I have to write what I feel in the moment, and um, I put my faith in the fact that those books will find the people who need them. Yeah, and and leave it at that. Well, you know, I think we write it for ourselves. I know I did even if it was just the exercise of learning to listen and trust the process. But, you know, every time we, you know, state a message, um, we learn from it. We reinforce that belief, you know, in ourselves. And it does take courage to say something that you know is going to conflict with the majority of the people around you, probably most of your relatives, I know most of mine. Because um, the majority of the U.S. is Christian. And so when you say something, he feels divinely inspired. Yes, coming from Jesus. And yes, I believe he still does talk to people. It didn't just happen once 2,000 years ago. Um, that there is a message of love that may conflict with religion because religion, you know, isn't always accurate. So I think, you know, everyone has their own path. And if they find Christianity and that's what makes them feel with joy, then that's what's right for them. And there's other people, such as myself, who just, you know, found conflict, found things that just didn't feel right, didn't resonate, and and kind of hindered that connection between me and the divine. Whereas now I have a path that I feel like it's totally right for me. You know, I feel like, you know, every day when I, I connect with the spirit, I feel the love. I mean, for me, that's what's right. And I and I hope that through my books, other people that are maybe looking for that can find some kind of inspiration or even just to know someone else is going through that and that they're okay, that it's all right to, to maybe make that change and do what's right for them personally and um, without trying to force it down anyone. I mean, to just I hope whoever needs to hear this message, you know, gets the book and, and it helps them in some way. And that's really, I guess, all I can do with it. I really don't know why it needed to be written, but I felt like I was asked to write it, so I did. And there you go. Came out two weeks ago. We'll see how it does. I think the the Kindle books, uh, the end of this month, like the 29th or 30th of January, will be available. So it's pretty new. We'll see how if it takes off. And um, meanwhile, I write my my third book, and which has been fun. It's more it's fiction, and it's you know, I don't feel that pressure of a like I did with the second one, as far as trying to make sure I, I followed the guidance there so tightly. The third one is just more of um it's still spiritual fiction, but it's um more just have fun with it. At the same time, it does have an important message about the environment and, uh, and indigenous injustice and, and all of that, but um, it's definitely much more of an epic novel. It's about three times larger than dreams of dying so 
it's been quite an undertaking for me personally. Never written anything that long, and it's definitely a lot of work, but a labor of love. So. They're so much easier when they just write themselves. <laughs> <laughs> All I got to do is show up with a pen. <clears throat> yeah. Because I, I, I rode along the road of life as Jean was writing her third book, and it, it was a challenge. Yeah. But what type of books are the, do you write, Jean? Uh, my first one, yeah, I'm here. My first one was uh, kind of this crazy adventure into self. Um, I, I just... I, I got fed up, to be quite honest. Um, I got fed up with with all these different religions and spiritual beliefs fighting amongst themselves over whose God was the right God. And um, I, I was looking for something, and I knew that I had a purpose, and there was something I was supposed to be doing. So I lay in bed one night, and I said, okay, you know, um, help me. Show and give me the signs, and um, I'll do and, whatever it and, takes. You know, I'll, right? Well, no, that didn't come till two weeks later. I kept ah. saying for two weeks, I kept lying in bed at night before I went to sleep and saying, "Help me, help me, help me! Um, show me what I need to do." And then it, it came down to me saying, "I'll do whatever I need to do. I, you know, I'll let go of whatever I need, need to let go of. I'll go wherever I need to go." And the next thing I know, two weeks later, I'm in the Philippines. And so my first novel is really a documentation of all the synchronistic events that, that led me to the Philippines and to me beginning that journey into self. Oh, that sounds neat. Not quite a memoir, but almost. Mm-hmm. And, and almost, but it's written as fiction <laughs> because I didn't think people would believe it. <laughs> and I didn't. So I wrote it as a fiction. It's just a story, and I had to change the names of the people involved and all that. Um, and then the second one, the first book was called Truth, and the second book was called Going Home to Heaven. And it's uh, it's very hard to describe this book, but it, it's based on the idea of these different spiritual entities all living in, in this house. And they've gone home to heaven to kind of talk about talk about life and love and spirituality and, and um, you know, social issues and just kind of from, from the inside out, out watching humanity mm-hmm. and kind of seeing what they're doing. That's um, really neat. And it, yeah. And it, but that's, that's when the messages started coming and I stopped intentionally writing and things started flowing for me. And that's when my, the, the my upbringing as a, as a Christian child was really challenged. And so it's, it's much more intense than the first book. However, I've, I'm happy to say that, that many of my family and friends who I thought would read the book, because many of them are Catholic, who I mm-hmm. thought would read the book and, and go, no, um, a lot of them, including my ex-sister-in-law, who's a Jehovah's Witness, came back and said, I get it. I get what you're saying. It's all the same God. It doesn't matter. And mm-hmm. I was stunned, stunned at the result. That's nice. It is funny how some people will come out of the woodwork, isn't it? They've they've been hiding it as much as we have. I'll agree with it. Yeah. Like my mother, I I put off telling her for 
for years, although I suspect someone had already told her because she didn't seem too shocked. Um, but I was really nervous. And I remember she was visiting me for her Christmas from out of state. And I finally thought this was a good time. We were kind of in the kitchen. And and I remember telling her mom, you know, I, I do these, these healings. And, uh, and she just looked at me and she said, uh, you know, all healing comes from God. So that's good. And that was kind of it. And then she kind of became my biggest supporter, which shocked me. I mean, it really did. Because she never stopped, you know, going to church. She never stopped her faith. But she totally supported me on a path that seemed so different from hers. But she didn't look at it that way. She looked at it like, it all, it's all God. However you want to celebrate it is up to you. Amen. And that's awesome. <laughs> that's very awesome. That's totally the way it should be. And, and and the way it is becoming, I have I have to say, you know, looking out into the world and watching what's going on, some of the things the Pope's been saying, and I'm yeah. watching how these different religions and belief systems are they're interacting and, and they're learning from each other and appreciating each other and trying to understand each other. It's, it's just the way it is. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the biggest eye-opener for me really was halfway through the writing of, um, no, actually, it was just at the end of the writing of my second book. It was just when I got back my hand. I went to my first um, my first sunrise ceremony. And um, when they did the blessing at the beginning, they mentioned Jesus and Muhammad and you know they, they a whole bunch of different names all together in one ceremony and it was it was just like wow you know that's everything I've worked for right there that's what I you know that's it <laughs> so it's it's good we're we're doing fine humanity is apparently um, we're on the right track and um, you know it was it was really it was really heartwarming to see yeah tolerance and openness. Yep. We may be a little well. stubborn and slow, but we get there eventually. Mm, yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Actually, I believe we all will get there eventually. I just think it's going to be a little bit longer than uh, we anticipate. But that's okay. Time isn't real. Well, time's a squishy, squishy thing anyway. <laughs> Twisted around a little. Yeah. So, um, I mean, kind of, I've been working on my third book, which I just today actually sent off to a friend who's going to proofread it. She's a very good proofreader. She's proofread my first two for me. Um, just to get the feedback, make sure the time sequences are correct and fact-checked and... Um, tremendous amount of research went into this third one because it's about um like i said it i i picked some of the top um environmental concerns uh like fukushima or whatever you call it in japan the nuclear meltdown that's going on right now uh i picked cold water lake catastrophe in canada uh fracking in pennsylvania uh, GMO disaster in India. Most people don't realize that over 300,000 
farmers have committed suicide in the last 10 years because they planted GMO corn or cotton and it failed and they lost everything. Um, and of course, um, the devastation of the rainforest. So I kind of went with those and, um, so I have all these different stories and they, and they come together in the spirit realm and they meet with Bachar, the fallen angel, who is the master of the elements and, they warn the world that if they don't change their ways, they're going to be ramifications. So it's quite a fun story in that sense that it was, you know, I could go with it, but it was also extremely depressing researching it. I would have to say things are much worse out there than I imagined. And it's, and it can be know. very shocking. I made the mistake once of pointing something out to Jean, and I almost lost her. I thought she wasn't <laughs> going to speak to me again. <laughs> and going to blow up the world in the process of, you know, they did what? <clears throat> yeah, it is. It's scary, and it's incredibly sad. It and is. They, but and they don't seem to show any signs of stopping. So I really hope my goal is to get the book out there. Well, there are there are, but it's they're small, but they're there. And they're, yeah, it'll snowball, but in in part because of folks like you that are standing up and and talking about it. And I'm hoping the book. Um, I, what I noticed was, and I noticed this on Facebook. Okay, you post these things, and then people, like you said, they just. Uh, they either blow up, they it becomes too overwhelming. And so you just do the only thing you can, which is ignore it. Because you feel like what else can you do, right? Right. It's so sad and overwhelming. So I wanted to write the book in a way where the people in it were empowered so that people could learn about this stuff but not feel overwhelmed, not feel helpless but yet still become educated and then let them pick, you know, which cause they might want to go after or, or do the opposite, you know, and, and go out there and actively support, you know, alternative methods. There's lots of great innovations out there that need investors that need support in the sense of, you know, promoting it on Facebook or however you can do it, yeah. uh, you know, radio show, whatever. Yeah. Wouldn't know so, anything about that. <laughs> so different ways, you know, you can protest or you can promote, yeah, but do something. You know, contact your congressman or, you know, host a gas land preview in your community. Whatever you, you got to do, do it. Right. And my time's been spent for the last six months writing a book that I hope opens people's eyes to some of the most prevalent disasters out there right now. And also some of the indigenous um, injustices that, you know, both past and present. And and also leaves them feeling empowered to be able to do something about it. So mm-hmm. like, you, like you said, I think I think a lot of people that, that really get a, a look at even around the edges of what's really going on, they just get overwhelmed oh, uh, because it oh. is overwhelming. And um, uh, but it like anything else, uh, like my father used to say. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, just like everything else. <laughs> and and um, 
so that's a wonderful thing. We've rushed right up to our halfway point here, uh, time that we uh, take a musical break. And uh, yeah, particularly okay. with the what we've just talked about, Jean, I, I, I think probably some Ho'oponopono from... Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, a little Earth Prayer is definitely in order. From our dear friend, Ina B. A uh, song is called Earth Prayer, and she's doing some amazing things with the proceeds from the song uh, called the Earth Prayer Project. So we hope you'll uh, visit her at enavie.com. That's enavie.com. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more. I'd like to talk a little bit more about uh, dreams of dying and some of this, you know, alternate interpretation and and, and journey okay. with Jesus thing. That's got me totally intrigued. And uh, uh, and of course, we'll get you links and all that stuff so that you guys can uh, find Elizabeth and her book. So stick with us. This is our friend uh, Ina V, and uh, we'll be right back. Stay with us, folks.
of all things, of the west and the thunder, of the east and the sun. In the north, the shining elders, and the south, our mother's womb. To those above and below us, to the seen and unseen, those who have walked before and after, we ask your assistance to live simply. Please forgive us, for we know not what we do. And we thank you for all your help us. Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our dear friend Ina V uh, with her song Earth Prayer. And you can find her at www.enavie.com. So we said before the break that we would go a little bit more into this. Um, you know, I've looked at your author website, and and um, it has this has this line in there that may grab people. And, it, of course, it speaks to what we were talking about that, you know, some folks had you, you figured everybody would think you were crazy. Um, takes you on a fantastical journey with Jesus, who leads the way through an alternate interpretation of his ancient teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, not hardly a subject that's you know foreign here at the show because we've we've done that a number of times. Uh, we've had Indeed. traditional Christ- habit, habit. American Christians Actually. and and. And Celtic Christians, and uh, we don't shy away from. That, that's always one of our pre-show things: is nothing's no subjects off limits. Nothing's nothing's sacred around here. Uh-huh. Well, it's not that everything's it's sacred. Because it's all sacred. If it's all sacred, <laughs> then it doesn't. If you can talk it's about any sacred. of it, you can talk it's about all of it. Right, mm-hmm. and it's all good. It's all God, and that's the way it should be. So you had um, this dream, and you got scenes, and 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 then the book started coming. Is that? Yeah. The short version. What, and it came very quickly. Take us back to the dreams. The dream. Well, you know, I wish I, I didn't even write them down. They were so fresh in my mind when I wrote the book. I thought they'd always be there. Um, so I can't describe them vividly. I knew it was Jesus, and it was like he was escorting me from scene to scene. And one of the scenes was this family who... Um, it was a little bit scary for me at first because it was as if it was my family, although I knew it wasn't. Like they looked like different, but it was the same, like a boy and a girl, which is what I have. And um, they got in a car accident, and everyone was killed except for the mother. And I um, 
And then the next scene, I knew the character was having troubles with dealing with it and was in like a um, mental institution while she recuperated. It was kind of a combination of rehab and mental therapy. So, and I can't tell you the other ones because I don't remember them, but there were four. And I should have been smart and wrote them down, but, you know, you always think you'll remember. Um so I had well, like you said, they were so they were so clear to you while you were writing the book. Yeah, I mean, you did write a whole book. Clear. It's it's not like you know you didn't write something down. <laughs> That's true. I just thought, oh, I hope no one ever asked me what the four scenes are because I only remember two. <laughs> but I did remember them at the time, and they were in the book. But then all the parts in between were unknown, and there and they were just snippets of the scene. So even the scene itself, you know, needed to play out. And I had no idea how this would end. Because I'm like, this doesn't seem like a very upbeat topic. How is this going to have a happy ending? Because I'm really, you know, I'm really for happy endings. Um, so I think the ending is uplifting, as it can be, considering the um, the topic. The subject matter, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting um, that... The other life kind of evolved, the life where the mother um, feels she's having dreams of this accident about to happen. And so the reader doesn't really know which one is the dream, you know, which one is real. And will at the end it all have been a dream? Will the accident never have happened? Or is the woman who had the accident, you know, dreaming of a better life? you know, when her family's all, you know, still alive and well. So the readers kind of vacillates between those two lives, not really knowing, and they come together tighter and tighter and tighter until they finally fuse at the end, and uh, and then the ending's revealed. So it was quite awesome. an interesting little... Yeah, I'm, I'm, it sounds very intriguing, and um, and to have... Uh, you know, I, Jesus show up and start saying, well, yeah, it's not like that. It's more like this. Um, alternative interpretation. Um, yeah, which follows my shamanic, and I also um, follow Course in Miracles. Right. And both of them believe, you know, that life is a dream and an illusion that we are manifesting from our higher consciousness. And... Uh, and so that was, uh, I think, a direct offshoot from those beliefs. Like I remember, right. well, well and of course, in miracles, of course, really is written by Jesus, in... or, or that's yeah. the the thing that's about well, it. You know, is that it's a different set of teachings from Jesus. Of course, in yeah. miracles, and yet it's you know of course, claims that it's written through the Holy Spirit. And, and I do believe it was. It's just beautiful teachings that I have yet to find a flaw in that book, um, you know, where something isn't logical or couldn't be. Um, and it, pit, it fits perfectly into my shamanic, you know, Native American spirituality. Um, it fits perfectly. There's no difference between the two, which is interesting because, you know, shamanism is considered the oldest known spiritual practice. You know, they're dating it somewhere between thirty and 50,000. But, you know, we can't go any further than that because we just 
we don't have any you know written or you know drawings beyond that point but um and then you got the course of miracles which was uh helen started channeling that in 1965 which is interesting because that's the year i was born um and then she finally published the book in 1973 so it's a very new um channeling I thought it was very interesting that um, something that seems so very different in form, you know, you got Shakespearean verse with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and then you have uh, shamanism, you know, mostly indigenous, or it is indigenous and um, the oldest known, both saying the same thing. So it really kind of opens your eyes to, you know, we, we get really caught up in the form. We get really caught up in is my religion or your religion, right? When so many of them are all saying, you know, the same truths. All the same yeah. truths. Exactly, exactly what I what started me on the journey of writing in the first place. And I'm I'm really curious, um, because of your background in Christianity, have you gone back and found the common vein in the message in the Bible as well? Since since this new connection, this reconnection, I guess you would call it, um, that you've you've found with spirit have you have you gone back i haven't gone back to christianity um but i would tell you i'm more tolerant of christianity i will pick out bible verses and i'll be like ah you know if you read this from a very nudge judgmental non-fear-based thought process you can read this differently so, for instance, and one of the big things in uh, like a Course in Miracles is, you know, Christianity often goes to the crucifixion and saying that Jesus died for our sins. And whereas Course in Miracles looks at it and says, you know, no, you were never sinful. You're created as God. You're perfect. The point of the crucifixion was to show that we never die. Now, you know, Christianity can say, well, of course, you know, that's also what we say. But they also had, you know, the sin base the fear base to that so it's like you know you just you have the same event but how you want to interpret it you know is up to you and i could say you know you may even interpret it different ways at different times in your life so i certainly absolutely have and i appreciate the you know ability to be able to grow or what i consider a growth um you know as i need to and that's kind of, the, I think, the problem I have with some of the religions that are imposed on people is it's not allowing them to grow in a natural flow. You know, we're just imposing and restricting and, and saying it has to be this way. And it's just not very loving to not let people explore the ups and downs. And, and maybe they leave and maybe they come back. You know, whatever they need to do that's right for them on their path. And that's really what it boils down to at the end of the day, isn't it? I mean, regardless of, of what your belief system is, if it encourages you to become a better person, a stronger person, um, mm-hmm. if it encourages you to love your fellow man, then how can I complain about that? How can I stand in judgment of something like that? And, you know, I found it fascinating after the writing of my second book, then I, I went back to the Bible and I... I got it. Like I've really understood. 
for the first time in my life, even having taught Sunday school at one point, you know, been raised by a, a strictly Catholic family and then later in my years following a bit of Christian faith. Um, and then going back for the first time ever, I actually understood the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, oh, I get it now. It's certainly mm-hmm. not what they were teaching me in church, but I got it. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. that to me was really, really, really cool to be able to do that because it had always been for me, it's got to be the same message underlying all of these different belief systems. And if you go back in the history of them, and if you really look to the core of all the different religions, it is all the same message. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's and goofy. Like, even, like I've quoted quite a few um or reference quite a few Bible verses in my book, Dreams of Dying, because, of course, Jesus was there, and that was the reference point for a lot of people is what they associate him with. But, you know, like one of the um, quotes was he was trying to explain how um, that we make this world and that it's you know, our own dream. And, and he said, you know, for instance, in the Bible, it says that Adam went to sleep. And nowhere does it say he woke up. You know, so there's references, and it and it depends on your interpretation. So, you know, this is simply one interpretation. But you can look at things however you, you like, and obviously we have a lot of people that um, are using the Bible to promote hate, and, and I don't think Jesus would ever have used it in that manner. Oh, no. Not at all, and it it's it, it always baffles me that people think that stories from two thousand years ago are going to make sense to them today because they don't <laughs> they don't have the frame of reference. They don't it's culturally, yeah. Right? It's you know, context, there's it's, it's totally different context. It, talking about culturally. the the jar of oil and it didn't run out. Well, yeah, who cares? We're all trying to cut down on fats. It, it's, but that was life or not, if, whether you had some oil mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago. And that made perfect sense if you told that story to somebody 2,000 years ago, but not so much today. And that's why there have always been new teachers. And, you know, fortunately, it seems that for the most part, we've stopped trying to build religions around all of them. But those, those really were yeah. fear-based yeah. control structures that were sort of... <clears throat> melded together with a story and um but the the power of stories the power of books you talked about earlier the power of stories i think stories mm-hmm. are just innate the structure of stories are innate with a, within us because it people i don't know if it's because we had oral history for so long or what but people just really respond you know to me you can you can lay out a dry clinical book and they're all asleep. But you can tell a story that gives you the same information and everybody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but, it, but it does. It has to be a story that you can understand. And, uh, you know, life 2,000 years ago in the Middle East was way different than anything anybody's familiar with today. And um, uh, then, you th- then you throw in the, all the translations and all the different commissions for translations and the didn't we all play the pass the story around the room when mm-hmm. we were kids, you know, and it doesn't come out well. 
and that's just a few steps in a in in ten minutes, you know. Um, and, and, yeah. and the other thing is, you know, just just the the idea that spirit would not communicate directly with the individual has always just baffled. Um, you know, I mean, that you would need an intermediary mm-hmm. to talk to God or to talk to Jesus. It's just that to me seems ludicrous. Um, to me, know, that's the most you're, natural You're born thing. of spirit. Well, of course, if you're born of spirit. You're an extension of spirit. I, I had a... You're directly connected. <laughs> my, my previous neighborhood, I, I lived in a couple years ago, um, it got around, somebody must have found my website, and I, I guess I became the neighborhood witch or something because everyone stopped talking to me. I guess. I went from being really friendly to, I mean, honestly, I would say hello to them and they would just turn away. I could be four feet away from them. So it was a little um, baffling until finally someone confided and, and told me what was going on. So anyways, one of the neighbors came over and I guess he was going to save me from my... Um, my path and um he started saying you know you know I, you hear the voice of god you know and i'm like well on occasion i do you know it's not constant but <laughs> i do and it's normal and um he's like well do you, you know maybe you need medical treatment or whatever and i was like you know it's very interesting that when men hear god they're prophets but the minute a woman hears it, she's a witch. Hey, do you see the problem here? You know, I I can't even I can't even count the times in in the first two years um, during the writing of Truth and after um, after after I published it, where I, I made the attempt to actually talk to priests about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been I you know I've been told flat out. You're evil. You need to, you need to go away from me now. You know, like be gone. Um, but what was fascinating? Get thee behind me. That I would have the same. Get thee behind me, Satan. That's right. But what was fast? What was fascinating to me is that I would have the same exact same conversation with sisters of the cloth, glow, and their mm. enthusiasm for this topic, and their understanding of of love was just, it was overwhelming to me. I was just like, the, the difference was literally night and day. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, I think, you know, the problem is most people do not want to hear the spirit. Otherwise they would, you know, instantly. Of course. It's just, you know, most people do not want to wake up. They're not ready to, to see the world differently. They're just not ready. And so they react with fear. Yeah, it is. It's a process and and we can take as long as we want. It doesn't matter. We all get there eventually. So, you know, I just try to remember they're they're at a different point. And as long as that doesn't make you or I retract or to stop feeling that it's okay, then that's fine. They they can do what they want and and we'll follow our own path. It just seems that um, a lot of times the religious will often oppose you, via, you know, sometimes violently, or at least um, very vocally, whereas I'm not condemning them 
for their religion. So, you know, if that makes you happy, that's fine. But I do not get the same in response most of the time. And that's what's kind of disheartening about the process. Um, I think the majority rules. I found that early on. I found that early on. But um, it was, you know, two, three years in to the journey that I started seeing a real shift in the way that people, um, people, their, their ability to receive and to give back. And, and there was this almost this palatable desire for mutual understanding and respect in the people that I was talking to. And in, in the first couple of years, certainly it was this huge, you know, wrestling match um, or it yeah, felt like it was sure a wrestling match. Reflection of my and, own mind and letting go of. And, and, but after a while, I, I kept stumbling onto these people who really wanted to talk about this in an open way, in a receptive way. I believe this because why do you think the way you think? You know, I mean, they would, they, they would, they would mm-hmm. state their beliefs, state their reasons for the belief, and then they would reciprocate with a question. Why do you feel the way you feel? Why do you believe what what have you seen? And, um, you know, I I think through it all, the only thing that didn't waver, um, at one point my faith in God wavered. Like, I was like, who are you, buddy over there? Forget I exist. Like, what, you're not helping me anymore? Um, My faith in God certainly wavered. But the one thing that never wavered, and I'm still kind of in awe of that, is my faith in humanity. Somehow, some way, there was always somebody who would come along to restore my faith in humanity. And I think that's really God. That's, that was God saying, hey, I'm here, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> it just depends on how you look at it and what you're looking for. And, and, and your expectations, too, is another thing. I mean, if we expect controversy, if we expect to be challenged, if we expect people to, to misunderstand, if we expect to be misrepresented, then, then that's what I think what we're going to get. I really mm-hmm. do believe that. You know, if, if you expect people to say, no, you must do it my way, then you're going to run into a lot of people who say, no, you must do it my way. But I think that also, as I'm saying that, I think that that's part of the journey. I think that that's mm-hmm. part of the process. And and skipping over yeah. that would be would be kind of robbing ourselves of of this growth and expansion of self. Well, I think I was probably a little really sensitive because I moved from well, Michigan. I lived in Florida for six years, so I moved to Carolina, North Carolina, from Florida. Florida, of course, very. Uh, liberal and I moved to North Carolina which is what 95% Christian so I um, I had this expectation that it was going to be very uh, oppressive and judgmental moving in but I was fairly shocked and aggressive you know I live near the Raleigh area which is I think probably more tolerant because we have so many um, different cultures and nationalities here, that um, they were much more open-minded than I expected, um, which was um, nice. It's not that I didn't run into some episodes, which I did, but for the most part, I immediately found, of course, a miracles group and 
you know, started trying to find a, a network of people that I could um, relate to and kind of grow in the same in the same way. So it's worked out, although it's still a little conservative here. Well, that does exist. Bless their souls. I, I I ran into that in, in uh, Texas it's in the when South. I back, and, right? uh, and it seems different here in Phoenix. And uh, but I expected it to be different here. So how do you how do you divorce the two? It's hard to do that. And um, uh, oh yeah, there's blatant civil liberties being abandoned here, left and right. You know they're. They're always praying before, you know, school events at the kids' school, and I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, this is this is not legal. Well, and that's, um, that's uh, the deal, legal, right? Legal. They're going to do what they want to do. It's okay to talk <laughs> to God. It's just a problem if God talks now. back. <clears throat> no, no, it's okay. I just, I just don't think, you know, we should be imposing our views on other people's children. But what, what do I know? Uh it was a crazy, they had a Christmas uh, pageant, which kind of blew my mind. Um, it went from one extreme to the other. They had this one, I can't remember the song, but they were like reenacting almost a crucifixion. And then the next one is like that Santa baby, you know that song? These girls in skimpy costumes, and I was like, oh my God. It's always this fascinated me that. So inappropriate. Um, <laughs> churches now have as part of their Christmas Christmas ceremonies they now have Christmas trees and the giving of gifts they have gifts under the trees for the kids where is this at? I'm very you know in churches I've been seeing it for years in churches where they oh, have yeah. during, mm-hmm. during the Christmas I, mm-hmm. what? oh yeah you know, I'm very sure that <laughs> there was no Christmas tree, it, it, you know, on Christmas night. <laughs> no pine tree, but up with pretty little lights, and I know there weren't any gifts. Uh, not, it, it's just, not very trees at all, it's really. A it's a fascinating blend. Yeah, that yeah. they've managed to to attain. You know, it's like they've they've they pick and choose what works. We like that. We like that, and we like that. So we'll keep those. And then the rest will just ignore. Like the whole thou shalt not kill thing. I still can't get over that. I don't think till my dying day I'll ever get over that. It is the simplest and easiest commandment of all. Uh Thou shalt not kill. It's very clear. It does not say thou shalt not kill unless it's for God. Unless Uh she's a witch. Unless he's an infidel. It, that doesn't say that in there. It just says, thou shalt not kill. Bottom line, love thy neighbor. It's not that confusing. And this, these are the things that have always just kind of made me go, what? <laughs> but I, I remember back years ago getting very angry at these things. But now I look at them and I have to giggle. Because I'm like, yeah, I can see how somebody could believe that. And that's okay because that's what they're supposed to believe. Right that's now in this moment, that's. That's their, that's their step along the road. Thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I thing. grew up, you know, like I said, in a Christian home. And so I love to decorate for Christmas every year. You know, we put the tree up, which, 
you know, we know it's a pagan, but whatever. It's a Christmas tree, and we decorate the house, and and it looks really beautiful, which is nice in the middle of winter, right? You have lights, and it's it's nice. But our neighbors did ask our kids um, why we decorated for Christmas when we're not Christians. And honestly, before they asked, I never thought about it. Like, because I like to. That's why. <laughs> Fun. It's, you know, I got a lot of that when I was growing up. I I uh, went to a school where we had, uh, it was called St. John's, but it was not related to any churches. It was just a private college prep school. And we had quite a number of uh, kids of the Jewish faith. And we were, they all had Christmas trees. Never, never occurred to me till I was like a teenager to go, wait a minute, you're Jewish. How come you get to have a Christmas tree? No tree for you. <laughs> they, oh, it's a Hanukkah bush. Where are your candles? It's a Hanukkah bush. Where are your candles? <laughs> what? A Hanukkah bush? Hanukkah bush. You, what? And, uh, but, you know, little kid, it just all seemed normal. Everybody had Christmas trees, so we're all the same and yay. But, uh, <laughs> but it is, it's kind of, you know, odd. And, uh, it's pretty. It is. It's pretty. It's fun. It's, you know. You open gifts. What? Family, presents. Well, family sometimes. Maybe not. Mm. But, um. <laughs> uh, presents yeah. of family. Maybe not so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> family over there. Send the gifts to UPS. Stay home. But, um. So we all do it to some extent. You it know? was a stroke of genius. Absolutely. On the part of the Catholic Church you know, the church once upon a time, uh, to just adopt, you know, like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. most people have a festival about this time of year. Okay, well, we'll just make that Christmas. Because right. I'm, I'm, there, there are no shepherds out tending their fields in December in the Middle East. It's too cold. <laughs> you know, it doesn't even make any sense. But, yeah, they were trying to, uh, they adopted the part of the Roman Empire that worked, which was to let people keep thinking what they thought and, you know, uh, yeah. just build your own temples bigger and eventually well, come. you know, I told you I you know, lost my faith after reading that book, The Great Cosmic Mother, and uh, they had a lot of fascinating tidbits like that. You know, for instance, why, you know, why the priests wear robes, which is so they would look like women because women were the original priestess, the original... Right. Holders. Why, why is Mary Magdalene always wearing red? Because back in the day, the priests wore red robes. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, they were given Mary Magdalene as like a, you know, what do you call it, a little offshoot. So here, you can keep worshiping your women, but really you have to be under a man. You know, so it just it was just that switch from matriarch to patriarch society and and most people are not even aware that there was a time when women ruled and were the leaders. And I think it's important to know that so that you understand it's all a cycle. It wasn't always this way. Men have not always been in control. I'm sure it's waned and you know, over back beyond our memories where, you know, men ruled and women ruled and men ruled, you know, it's just a cycle. And Absolutely. Well, it's all cyclical, right? And I, it, that's that's the beauty of it, because um, oftentimes you hear somebody say, well, we've always done it this way, so why should we change now? It's like, no, you haven't always done it that <laughs> way. But 
the people don't want to to because it can threaten their faith. And this this is the thing that I I try to explain through our work is that I don't think that it damages your faith. I don't think it can rob you of your faith to seek out information and to dive as deep as you can into your beliefs and to do as much research as you can possibly do. I think all it can do is strengthen your faith because like we said earlier, at the core of it all is this beautiful, amazing, common message. And it's really, it's, it's one word, love, doesn't mm-hmm. get any simpler. And yeah. once you tap into that, then everything kind of changes. Yeah. And, and yeah. the threat goes away. But well, initially, I, I think it's people feel threatened. There, There is a, you know, when I lost my religion and faith in God, it did leave a huge hole in me. You know, sometimes what we think is uh, a step backwards is necessary. It's like I had to lose all of that dogma so that I could come back and meet God just on like a pure level where I'm just listening to the spirit I'm just making changes that are meant for me personally right. and coming back much much stronger although I was very very devoted I might add I mean I read my Bible every night I prayed I was very religious and spiritual but I needed to let go of the dogma for me and come back in a very different way that I feel like I kind of picked up the same path in a way, but without some of the stuff and adding different. And then it became what I needed instead of what I was just raised with. Do you know what I mean? It's sometimes Absolutely. we're we're not we're not raised in what necessarily resonates with us. So, and, and as oh, an adult, you should make not. that choice. But it can yeah, be hard. I got, I got a. It can be hard. I got a lot of flack for that early on from my family. Is that we we never um, um, we never christened my daughter, and mm-hmm. the flack mm-hmm. that I got for that was just insane. What do you mean you can christen your daughter? You're, just, you're condemning her soul, and I was like, no, I'm not. I'm giving her a choice. I'm giving her options. You know it. I can expose her to as much of these, as many of these different belief systems as, as I can and allow her to choose. Mm-hmm. She has to be, ultimately it has to be her choice. And whether I try and jam a truth down her throat now or not, even if it sticks for a few years, eventually it's going to come a time where she's going to rebel against that and she's going to go seeking out her own truth. So why, why waste the effort? Why waste the time? And why do that to her? And the rebellions can be messy. Mine was. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Mine was horrible. Absolutely. Yeah. I, if mine was any worse, I would have been in, like, juvie hall. I mean, I was, well, I was really close. out there. I was close, yeah. Sterling. I was, the only reason they didn't put me in a juvie was because my dad was an ex-pop. That's <laughs> <laughs> the only reason. Seriously. I was the only reason I did not go to juvie was because my dad was the next cop, and they were firmly convinced that he was going to take care of it. 
Oh. <laughs> well, you know, my brother, when he became a dentist, um, and he first started seeing people, and of course he got a, we came from a small town, so he got a lot of the people we went to school with. And uh, he'd only been practicing for a few months, and I came in there to get a cleaning, and he mentioned, you know, I've met a lot of people that, you know, went to school with you. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And he's like, he goes, what were you doing? Because <laughs> 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 I've been hearing some crazy stories. Like, oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I go, it's all a blur. I don't remember. It's all a blur. Yeah. I, I've been blessed so far. My kids are 13 and 15. And so far, they've been really, really good. I mean, not even a fraction of what I've done. It's. I'm hoping that means I've been forgiven and <laughs> the karma <laughs> cycle is broken. Ooh. My dogma got ran over by my karma. Yeah. What do you do? What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Well, it sounds like it sounds like you've really lightened up. Me? Yeah, I mean throughout your journey, it's just, oh. you know that whole enlightenment thing, lighten up. Um, Big part of enlightenment. Lighten you up. know, yeah. I, I mean, I've been serious since the day I was born, and I've been trying to overcome that. <laughs> I have been trying to, you know, see the joy in everything, and trying to laugh, and trying to uh, remember that we're just all perfect souls and we are we just make mistakes here and there. But I still find that um, my dad's side is very hot-tempered, very hot-tempered. Um, and so I, I find myself trying to overcome that occasionally. And I hate it when it comes out. It's always unexpected. But I just... Um, immediately go into that mode of, you know, I'm sorry, and it's spirit, take it. Let me just make a change at this moment. You know what I mean? I try not to dwell on the negative, not others or, or my own, um, and just make immediate corrections and go from there, because what else can you do? Well, let's not forget right that, that our emotions are, are a gift. You know, I mean, that's that's something that defines us as human beings is that we have these amazing things called emotions. And I really believe that we're supposed to feel them. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't and buy into or subscribe to the idea that people should be passive and <sighs> all the time. Well, we'd all be I, living in I, a monastery or something. I think that, I think that robs us for a large part of, of, of our humanity. I think we're supposed to get angry every once in a while. I really uh, do. I don't know. Certainly Given, seems to be part of the I think we have a, program. Yeah. I would say it makes me unhappy when I'm angry, and that's why I don't like it. So for me, it, it doesn't work. I feel like I let the ego take control. Uh, instead of reacting with love, I I reacted with anger, and I think you know love, love can be blissful and ecstasy. And and frankly, you know, if I'm going to have a high, I'd rather it be that one, because um, the anger it, it, I can just feel it just like 
coursing through my body. I mean, everything about it, I dislike. And of course, you know, I was born with amazing hot temper. And and I try to look at it like, um, you know, we learn very quickly from contrast. And, and I, from that standpoint, I have chosen to learn a tremendous amount in this lifetime. Let's put it that way. And and that can be a blessing. You know, definitely a person with a very even personality, I think, would not get a lot of the lessons that um, someone you might consider more flawed would get. You know, but it's kind of a choice. Or, nor, nor would they make, be making conscious choices daily on how they want to interact with their fellow man. And that's one of the things that anger allows us to do is that it allows us to take a step back and consciously choose mm-hmm. how we're going to react to somebody's action. Yeah. You can't, um, you, know, you know, just because you feel anger doesn't mean you have to act on the anger. You can still feel it and not damage somebody or something for those of you out there who hit walls. Um, you know, you can make the conscious choice to acknowledge the anger, to acknowledge the thing that caused the anger, mm-hmm. and then to work with it, as opposed to lashing out and saying or doing something that you might regret later. So it it allows yeah. us this this expansive personal growth. But I think you it do does. have to take that full body experience, uh, you know, of feeling that anger just really coursing, vibrating through you, and uh, before oh, yeah, you can really do away with it, you know, you. you you can't handle something until you own it, and and uh, so I think that's one of the damaging things that many religions do is they they teach you that anger is bad, so you just try to pretend you're not angry. And that's not deny your emotions. Yeah, deny denial. It's not just a river in Egypt. Denial. <clears throat> yeah, I try to learn to not resist them. We really like acknowledge it. I am angry. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to deny it. But I don't want to be angry. And so I'll like consciously ask the spirit. You know, show me a different way to look at this. Show me how to look at this through love. And it's amazing to watch the transformation, and that becomes this wonderful experience in itself of watching the spirit transform it, you know, which we often call miracles. And But they can be as subtle as, you know, watching your anger turn into overwhelming love, you know, within a second. And you're thinking, wow, how could I look at this from such completely different perspectives so quickly. But it's certainly possible. Yeah, definitely miracle stuff that. Um, yeah. Miracles happen every day. Because I've, I've, you know, I've tried the modern American male method of grabbing the anger by the horns and trying to wrestle it to the ground and kill it. Not, not so much, really. How'd that work for you? Not so much. But the, but mm. the spirit transformation of it can be in a blink of an eye and you just go, mm-hmm. Oh, I get it. And, um, uh, because that has become such a modern thing of, you know, that's bad. 
So kill it. Well, I have a story that kind of relays that. I, it's probably um, what I consider my biggest miracle. It was um, it was a few days after my mother died, um, and the grief was overwhelming. But to compound it, um, since she was killed in an accident, there was a mandatory autopsy by the, ordered by the state. And um, so we weren't able to bury her for uh, a week. So to kind of kill time, because I was um, out of state and overwhelmed with grief, we thought we'd take care of the details in between. And so we went, me and my sister, went to the HR director where my mother worked. And um, she went over the details. You know, here's your mom's, you know, final paychecks. Here's the insurance she had. And then she got to um, her pension, which I was curious because my mother had talked about it with me um, a few months prior. And um, the HR director announced that the pension was going to go to my sister. It could only go to one person. Um, And so, of course, I felt resentment. I mean, I was unemployed at the time. It really could have made a difference in my life. Um, But I didn't want to feel that way. My mother had just died. I didn't want to be mad at my sister. And the anger was just welling up in me, though. And I just kept repeating, I don't want to feel this way. Please take it from me. You know, and we are going down to my mom's office, and we're in the elevator. And I'm like, I don't want to feel this way. Please take it from me. We get out of the elevator, and we're taking stuff out of my mom's desk, and which is hard to do anyways. She's worked at the state for 30 years, and you're seeing tidbits and photos, and it was just overwhelming. And this anger is still there. And I finally said again, I don't want to feel this way. Please take it from me. And all of a sudden, I felt my mother's spirit come over me. I mean, totally come over me. I felt her whole body around me. I felt her glasses even resting on my face. And all of a sudden, the whole world turned to loving light. The whole room just disappeared into this light. And when I looked at my sister, rays of light were just shooting out of her. And it's like I seen her spirit. And her spirit was just smiling at me, like almost like, oh, you found me. And my mother's memories of my sister rushed through my mind. And it's like I seen my sister as a little girl and my mother raising her and the love she felt for her. And the anger went. It's like I was just totally overcome with love. And then it all disappeared. But to know that my mother was all right after being killed so tragically, to let go of this anger, to, I mean, it was just a beautiful moment in such a tragic moment. Um, So I often refer to that whenever I'm thinking of something that in my opinion is not loving, 
that there is a different way I can look at it. Oh, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. I would. We would get into stories that we've had with people who have transitioned, but we are running up on. We got about We're five. Out of time. Yeah, we got about five minutes left. And um, and I think that this is a really good story to leave people with, to be quite honest. Something uh, to oh, I think so too. reflect on. Well, let's see what happened to Elizabeth. We lost her. Such a um, We need her to come lady. back so that we can... Ah, Hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah, and we need to be sure well, we get all the web you links. Said you said you were almost done, so I guess the phone just listened to you. I don't know. You've ah, had that George problem does before. That. Yeah. <laughs> that problem before frequently yeah it manifested it nothing new it's constantly happening um with us all the time really like like don't come down with the sniffles on show night because for some reason the internet will just stop working i don't know what that's about it just is but what we were saying is it's a really beautiful story to leave people with um and and something for them to reflect on i think and and such a beautiful expression of of who you are as a person perfect way to end the show really and to encourage people to, to buy this book because these are the results of, of this journey is, is that you've taken is this oh yeah there's definitely reflections of it this innate ability to to turn you know painful sorrow and, and dare I say angst in in into loving acceptance and, mm-hmm. and we're all looking for that. Ultimately, that's what we're all looking for, for a way to turn that angst into into love. So, yeah, we are. It's a perfect way to end the show. No, it's just beautiful. But we do want to be sure that we, too, get in there, uh, how folks can find you on the interwebs and all of that. Sure. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. They can visit my um, my author site, shamanelizabethherrera.com. Then I have my regular website, which is just shamanelizabeth.com. And I also have a blog, which I think there's a link on my website to that. That I have like 80-some posts that, you know, from the last probably three, four years of things that happen, meditation techniques, all sorts of things on there. So if they visit my author's site, they can keep abreast of um, books as I write them. I know my fourth book will be, oh my gosh, this is so sad, but, you know, I told you my father had passed away this August, and um, his last phone call to me before he went to the hospice, and actually the last phone call we had, um, he called me up and he said, "Uh, Liz, are you listening? And I'm like, yeah, which was mind-blowing because you'd been like delirious the last couple of days so my dad calling me sounding perfectly clear was like a ghost calling and uh, I'm like I'm listening and he said I want you to do me a favor he goes I want you to finish my book because you promised me you do that and of course I said yes so I know my fourth book will be taking the book that my father's been working on for seven years and reading it and finishing it. So that will be uh, interesting. And I know it was a very spiritual book, so um, it's right up my alley. 
So we'll see how that goes. He calls it uh, Sages 7. So I'm sure I'll be lined up for uh, next year or two writing books. We'll see where it well, goes from make there. sure when you um, get that one done that you come back and speak, speak to us. We'd love to hear about, about yeah. your journey. Love to hear that's that journey gonna be, story. That's going to be quite quite the ride, I think. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. I'm almost scared to start. And I actually didn't want to read it until I was done with my the book I was working on now because I didn't want to be tempted to, to steal any of his good stuff, you know. I want <laughs> it to be just his and his alone. But I appreciate you guys having me. It's been wonderful talking with you and meeting you. Yeah, I'm glad you had common. the time to our pleasure. share with us. We uh, we just love that, people's stories. <laughs> Got into radio. <laughs> stories. <laughs> stories are fun. Stories are grand. So again, those websites, folks, are shamanelizabeth.com and shamanelizabethherrera.com. Uh, yes. Easy enough to find. And... Uh, I strongly suggest you check it out. I'm I'm going to be checking out Dreams of Dying. It sounds fascinating. And and like I said, I've been having a lot of that theme going on lately. So we'll just dive right in there and have a little of that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, and I'm going to get um, Gene's book, too. It sounds really, what, the Philippine one? I want to pick that one up, too. I don't know if you can... Tell me the name again. You're actually, the name of the book um, for our listeners is Truth, and they can find all the links to that at either gravedistractions.com or um, phoenixrising.blogspot.com or our website, everydayconnection.me. You, my lady, will get a copy of the PDF, but if you'd like to order a print version, then I always recommend people go directly to my publisher, gravedistractions.com. Okay. Or oh, I you can get it through every day. But but I will be sending you a PDF as a thank you for, for coming on the show. Oh, thank you. I, I'll look forward to that. It sounds Unplugged. fascinating. All it, right. It well, you guys have a wonderful night. Thanks again for uh, sharing your time, talent, and treasure with us. That's just oh, amazing. Same, Humans same keep doing guys. that. And uh, for all you folks... We've got big things going on around here at Everyday Connections, so be sure you get by our website, everydayconnection.me. Sign up for our mailing list so that you don't miss a bit of it. And uh, join us for our next show. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourself, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Gene and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details.